0: Michelangelo is uh, believed to be the greatest, not possibly the greatest painter and sculptor in all of history. And many of you have probably seen photos. Maybe you've been to Florence and seen his sculpture of David. You know, when he did the sculpture of David, um, he had found a flawed piece of marble. It was not the best piece of marble, but he had a vision for that piece of marble. Other people just rejected that piece of rock, but he saw something inside that rock that nobody else saw. He saw David triumphant standing before Goliath before he slew him. And in the same way, God has a vision for your life, People might look at you and say, well, you know, you're really broken and and you're really flawed and there's not much hope for you. But God sees inside of all of that. God sees more than what the average person sees. He has a vision. Just like Michelangelo had a vision for that flawed piece of marble. God has a vision for your life. The way that he intended your life to be lived. Just like, so those of us who... Our parents, or have been parents, we have children, and, and we do have a vision for how we hope our children will turn out, the kind of men and women that they will one day be. We have hopes and dreams for our kids. Well, God is your father, and we are his children. And he has a vision for you as his children, not to remain children, not to remain in spiritual infancy but to grow to maturity, to become the person that he has created you to be. Now, we've got a lot of kids in this church. Have you noticed that? And you see these kids, and I'm over here. I see Steph over here, the little baby in her arms. And we would go over and say, look at that baby and say, oh, so cute, just so perfect, just so perfectly formed. But you know what? That baby is perfect for the stage of the journey and the stage of development that that baby is at. But if that baby is still a baby in five years and has not grown, has not gained weight, and does not look like, say, a typical five-year-old, we would say, something's wrong. God has given us a new sense of identity. Um, Our identity is found in who we are in Christ. I am a child of God, And through his son, I too could become a son or a daughter of God. And everything that we do in this church now is designed to remind you that you are a child of God and to give you a vision for the person that you were intended to be. So God does not see you as you are, He knows what you are, right? He knows our weaknesses, our faults, our sins. But he sees beyond that. He sees deeper like Michelangelo did. And God is sculpting you. He wants to sculpt you. Just like Michelangelo took the hammer and the chisel and very lovingly and tenderly chipped away, God is chipping away those rough places in your life, in my life. And he's not done yet. So this is our identity. I am a child of God And whatever stage of the journey I'm at, whatever stage of development, God wants me to move forward. He wants me to advance. He wants me to grow to maturity and to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. And this is a journey that is marked with joy. Because when you've got a sense of identity, so that if your Christian life is not based on fear, like I'm afraid of God. No, 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 no. It's like, no, God loves me. And he's, I'm his child. He's adopted me into his family. And God has a design for my life. And what could be more joyful than growing into that? The reason we do things like the prayer summit, like hearing God, like life groups, small groups, like set free retreat, is because we want everyone to grow up into Christ, to become more like Jesus, to complete our journey of spiritual growth. And let God sculpt us into the people we were meant to be. So when it comes to things like the Set Free Retreat, which is coming up, people might say, well, you know, I'm I'm not broken. I'm not broken. That's not for me. Uh -uh. Don't think that way. It doesn't matter if you're broken or feel broken. What matters is you're not finished. The sculpture isn't done yet. God has more that he wants to do. In your life. And so today I want to show us why, why it's important for us to continue growing and not to stand still in our faith. For me, um, I've been on kind of a spiritual renaissance for the last four or five years in my own life. You know, um, and, I, I, and I have shared this with you, but I think that the best years of my relationship with God have been the last four or five years of my whole life. You know, whereas sometimes you hear people say, well, the best experience I've ever had with Jesus was when I was a new Christian. That's a sad commentary if that's the case. And But I have to say, it wasn't always that way for me. Um, but I have to tell you right now, uh, I am pursuing God in my life. And you need to know that. You need to know that the people that preach to you on Sunday are in pursuit of God. Um, and the fact is i have to be continually renewed and transformed because you know what life is hard life takes a toll on us um, the world kind of takes the luster and the the you know off of us sometimes you know cuz life is hard and you know you have those days you know when you just feel kind of beat up and worn out and so you know what you need to do you just need to spend time in your father's presence and experience that intimacy with his holy spirit that he's inviting you into. And I do that every single morning. I do it throughout the day. When my time in the morning is so important to me. I could not make it without that. So if I'm not growing, I'm dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. If I'm not moving forward, I'm sliding backward. There really is you can't really stand still on this journey. I need to be alone with him, and I need to make that a top, top priority in my life. This is more important than your date night with your spouse, really. Your date with God is the most important. We need this. I need it. So what about you? As you take inventory of your spiritual life, your walk with God, can you honestly say before God, I'm growing. I know I'm growing. I am not the same person today that I was a year ago because I'm being transformed daily. I am growing. I'm not just stuck. I'm not just content and satisfied to stand right where I am now, to stay where I am now. And I'm talking to those of us who are young and old. Teach a dog, old dog, new tricks. This is not about a trick. We are never to it. You're still a child of God. And you know, I can be old in body and broken in body, but I'm, I can still be an infant, spiritually speaking. And I want to grow up and become all that God intended for me to be. So, are you doing the things that will help you to grow? I mean, when's the last time you've sat down and actually done a, an inventory of your life and said, God, you know, I've got my, my habits. I go to church on Sunday and I, I, I go to brunch, you know, with some Christians and I go to my Bible study and uh, that's, you know, and I read my, my little 20 second devotional in the morning. I got my habits. Are you content with that? Really? Or would you stop and say, God, is there something more you want to do in my life? Just to stop and take inventory. How often do we do that? You know what? That's part of my role as a pastor is to say that's what we all should be doing. Because God has so much more in store for us than we can even imagine. Going to church on Sunday or Bible study on Tuesday is good. And you should do that, but it is not enough. There are people who attend church. There are people in this church right now that I'm not sure that you are saved. I'm not sure if you're born again. You might not even be sure if you're a Christian. Sometimes I talk to people. I say, hey, do you know, do you know if so-and-so is a Christian? They go, I think so. You know, as soon as they say, I think so, I'm going, they're probably not. Because if you're a believer... If you've got faith in God and if you are filled with His Holy Spirit, people will know it. They will feel the difference. They will see the difference. And so I'm asking the Lord to fill each one of us with holy discontent. A feeling of saying, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I want you to have all of me and I want all of you. That's my prayer for us. Um, for me, I, I can't stay here. Where I am now, I cannot stay here. Could we all say that out loud, please? Could we? I cannot stay here. Where you're standing now, that might be where you should be, perhaps, but it's not where you need to be tomorrow. God wants you to grow, to deepen, to advance in the journey. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Um, and the book of Hebrews in the Bible, the backstory is that the Hebrew Christians, the Jewish Christians, so these are people who were Jewish. They followed the Old Testament, the Jewish faith, but now they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and now they were Christians. They were Jewish Christians, but guess what? They were being persecuted by those Jewish Christ, uh, people believer, no, the Jewish folks who didn't believe in Jesus. The Jewish folks who did not think that Jesus was the Messiah persecuted those who thought he was. And some of them were tempted to turn away from their faith in Christ. To either stay put and just kind of compromise and maybe kind of keep their faith hidden or to go back. And that's what happened to God's people when Moses had brought them out of Israel and they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And and, and so they came to this place where uh, they said, okay, we've come partway on the journey from being slaves in Egypt to, to the promised land. We're partway there. And they said, let's send some spies into the land to go check it out to see if it's, a good pl- if it's worth going. You know, is the journey worth it? And they sent these 12 spies, and 10 of the 12 spies came back with a good, bad report. They, they said, the land is indeed good. It would be great. It's glorious. This is the place we'd want to live, really. It's the best place on earth. And yet they said, but... There's giants in the land. There's some warriors in that land, and we're going to have some fierce battles. And all the people got afraid, and all they could see was the giants. And the giants obscured their vision of God. And they couldn't see that God was greater, that he was stronger, that he was almighty, and that he would help them. And so they said, Let's turn back. Some said, Let's stay put. And God said, That's not good enough. You're to go forward into the land and so in hebrews chapter 5 and this will come up on the screen you see these verses and i'm not going to read the whole thing but he's trying to explain some spiritual things to them but he's saying in, in in verse 11 you're still spiritually dull and you don't listen and then he says you've been believers long enough that right now you ought to be teachers You ought to be mentors. He's saying, you should be at this place in your journey where you're now beginning to teach and mentor others. But he said, you're still babies, verse 12, who still are on milk. And you need to get on solid food, which is for the mature. And so the writer to to the Hebrew Christians was saying, where you're at isn't where you need to be at. Because of fear and complacency, they needed to learn the fundamentals all over again. And so then we get to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the next part following this. And there he says, okay, it's not coming up on the screen, so maybe it's not there. So I'm just going to br- bring it out of my Bible. I brought a Bible. Did you bring a Bible? Okay, open your phone. All right. He- Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings, the fundamentals about Christ. He said, let's leave the fundamentals, the elementary things, the ABCs. Let's leave kindergarten. And he says, and let us press on to maturity. Press. Oh, I know what the problem is. See that there? I've got the wrong reference. That should have been Hebrews 6, verse 1. That's my bad. But that's, the, that's how, chapter 6, verse 1. Let's press on to maturity. Will you today press on to maturity? Because I'll tell you this, if you say, well, Brian, I'm already a mature Christian. What are you talking about? I've been in the church for 40 years, 20 years, whatever. Wait a minute. Paul says, I've not arrived. There's still more. He says, forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward. The apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the Bible, said he wasn't done yet. He hadn't finished the journey. He wasn't fully mature. And so I'm a child of God who is continually being formed into his likeness. So God wants us to be grown-ups in the faith. At this church, we want to provide and lay out before you a feast. A feast. Um, Sunday morning, we hope, is a feast. I think sometimes we do better. Sometimes we... We burn the food, uh, and 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 stuff like that. But you know, I what we're trying to do is really make sure that you can always know that if you bring a friend on a Sunday, that they're going to say, "Well, that was a feast. I, I feel full. I, 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 you know, well fed." But you know what? It isn't just Sunday. It's all through the week. We want to to spread out this buffet of good things that God has for you to help you become the person that he wants you to be. And and all the things I've said, like life groups and hearing God, the prayer summit and prayer meeting and and set free retreat, all that is part of that to help you press on to to maturity. And so let's not become complacent. That was the problem of the Hebrew Christians. Because of fear of persecution, They shrank back and stood still or wanted to go back to slavery, to what they knew. And they fell into complacency. A.W. Tozer has this great quote on complacency. And it says, Complacency, he said, is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. And he's talking about contentedness in the sense of being self-satisfied. I'm fine where I am. Nobody can tell me any different. The reason that we have church on Sunday is to worship, to give praise to our God and Father, to celebrate what He's doing in our lives, but it is also to put ourselves in a place of being a mathetes, a disciple, a learner, and to say, God, I want more of you. And it really has to do with your posture. It has to do with your attitude. And so there's at least two reasons why people get comfortable. You know, Pierre Burton... How many of you remember Pierre Burton? Let's date ourselves. Pierre Burton wrote a, a, a book on Canadian church culture years ago. Do you remember what it was called? It's called The Comfortable Pew. I don't think we want our seats to be comfortable. Well, okay. On your backside, it could be comfortable. But God wants to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. We don't go to church just to be comforted only. We have to be comforted, and we must be encouraged. Yes. But that's not the full diet. We can't just eat vegetables. We can't eat just fruit. We can't just eat beans or lentils. We need the whole diet. And so, maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I I didn't know that there was more that God had for me. Or maybe you knew there was more, but you've just sort of been stuck on your journey. Maybe you've gotten distracted. I think being distracted and unfocused is one of the great threats to our faith. Just We we fill our lives with too much busyness. Just stuff that doesn't matter. Oh, good stuff. It may not be sinful, but it's just stuff that keeps us... You know what? Satan, there is a devil, and if he can keep you distracted and just busy and just running so you do not take time with God to spend time in his presence and to be continually transformed into his likeness, then he's got you. I love this passage. And this is Ephesians chapter 4. He says, Speaking the truth in love, We will grow to become, and he's talking here about not just individual Christians, but us as a church. The church growing to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That we're growing to become like Christ. From him, the whole body, meaning the church is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and it grows and builds itself up in love. The church and everybody in it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How, does it, how do we grow in love? How do we grow to become like Christ? As each part does its work. Every one of us is necessary. We need each other. And the reason we provide these growth and learning opportunities is because we want you to become the person that God designed us to be. If you're not growing, you're dying, really. And if you're not moving forward, you're sliding backward. Let's grow. Let's move forward. You don't have to feel broken to take advantage of the spiritual habits like having a quiet time, regular times of prayer, solitude, silence before God, Bible study, scripture memory, um, practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and moving in the power of the Spirit. You don't have to be broken to do that. This, this is for everybody, every single one of us. God has a plan for you and for me. The fact is, folks, God is sculpting you and he is sculpting me Will you let him do it? Will you let him lovingly take that hammer and chisel and just chip away as that image that he has for you, as that vision he has for you, begins to, over time, take shape, and you are transformed? We've been talking about the Set Free Retreat, and, um, you know, it's... Uh, the sign-ups always come slow. I mean, they always do. And I think it's just the way we are, you know, Uh and, but it's coming along. I just don't want you to miss out on something that God may want to do in your life. And I've asked Dr. Rob Snow. Rob's, a, as you know, professor. Many of you know, he's a professor at Ambrose University, a New Testament scholar. And uh, by the way, Rob has written a commentary. I think, is it the Beacon? Commentary. It's the new Beacon Commentary put out by the church on Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. I think it's the first 16 chapters. So you'll want to make sure you get that commentary that he wrote. And so anyway, Rob, would you just come and share your story?
1: do not get any royalties for that, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to uh, talk to you about... Um, uh, set free briefly, but more on sort of a personal level and, and uh, uh, What sort of set free uh, went with uh, Pastor Brian and a number of other people from uh, the church? Uh, about a year or so ago uh, to a set free conference in Steinbeck uh, Manitoba and have been to a couple of other similar type conferences like this and as I've sat through these things, there's a, a, a lot of overlap uh, between these various um, conferences on, on, you know, inner healing and uh, becoming formed and shaped in, into the ministry of Jesus. And I think what's clear to me is, is it's really about sanctification. And that's a, a term that's very important to us in, in the Wesleyan tradition, but more importantly to uh, the people of God as revealed in the Old Testament, that they are to be holy as God is holy. And there's a passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that if you're going for ordination in the Church of the Nazarene, you best know it because it's the only place in Scripture where it talks about being entirely sanctified. But aside from that, um, Paul really talks about the ways in which God wants our whole being to be shaped in his image. And it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you got the idea of sanctifying, but sanctified in a whole way, every part of our being. And um, really it, it it is about becoming complete. Uh, mature is another metaphor that uh, uh, Pastor Brian has mentioned this morning. And it really begins with being restored into the image of God. And when you look at the opening chapters of, of uh, Genesis, uh, when the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, take that fruit really there's three different levels in the way in which their wholeness as it as it once was began to break down and it's and I, I put it kind of thinking about it like this they've they fail to love themselves well they fail to love one another well and they fail to love god well and and what do i mean by loving yourself well not in a narcissistic self-focused way but when the man and the woman take that fruit, shame immediately enters in. So, so there's a, a sense in which, and maybe you can relate to this, that they, they don't measure up to God's holy standard anymore. And so, the, they all of a sudden realize their nakedness and they cover themselves. And so, uh, feelings of shame are obviously associated with wanting to, to hide yourself, not feeling good about yourself, things like this. And we see that play out in the early chapters. of of Genesis. And then the blame game enters in. Well, it's the woman that you had given to me. And the woman says, well, it's Adam had said that. And then the, uh, the woman says, no, well, it's that serpent. He did it. And so there's fracturing among the relationships, amongst human relationship. And, uh, and the enemy loves to drive wedges between people and, and uh, splinter uh, harmony um, between families and, and, uh, and the people of God. And of course, then there's their failure to love God well, where you know they're cast out of the presence of God. And, and God, being a holy God, can, cannot have uh, that uncleanness in his presence, and so there's separation there. So really, Set Free is about... Um, not just encountering God in a transformational way, but, but realizing that there's tools, there's strategies that are revealed in Scripture that can help us grow in holiness. To, to become whole and complete and, and mature so that we view ourselves rightly before God and in healthy ways. That we lose the shame, for instance, that we may have about ourselves and I don't measure up. Here's here's how I as um, you know I've kind of been on this journey really started at the same time uh, with Brian uh, about five or six years ago when I first started teaching and this is just a pause to think about what does it mean to love ourselves well. Um, we had hired an Old Testament uh, professor at Ambrose and uh, she uh, began her career and I got to know her a little bit. I actually knew her from Regent College, just kind of a nodding acquaintance and then got to know her more at uh, at Ambrose and uh, where we went to school at Regent. And uh, so I got to know her a bit more and then probably around January she said, I think I'm going to stop doing this. I thought, what? You have a PhD from the University of Cambridge in England and in fact that dissertation that she wrote is like on an award level, an award-winning level, and she wrote so much she could have actually been awarded two PhDs. In other words, a very highly brilliant, intelligent scholar connects well with the students, and I'm like, you're, you're going to walk away? Why? Well, she said. I want to go to this place called uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California, where they teach you how to prophesy and hear God's voice and pray for healing. And I thought to myself, you are crazy. Why are you doing that? And, and so anyway, I lost contact with her, and she, she went on her way. And, and uh, I remember um, after I kind of got on this spiritual journey that, wow, I think God has some more stuff for me, um, I wrote her an email. But just back up before I send that email to her. Um, so, when, when she had left Ambrose, I was at a point in my career, it was about three or four years in, where um, I had been teaching there for, well, teaching for 15 years now. Uh, three or four years in, I just, I did not like my job. I had um, a real sense of uh, a fear of failure the idea of having to uh, perform well but then uh, be evaluated by students every four months, have a year-end evaluation, I mean just natural things that you go through in any kind of professional context, but for me it was a a debilitating, um, you know, I guess form of bondage where I'm like, if I don't perform well I'm gonna lose my job, blah blah blah, all of this, and so that that level of fear that I was experiencing on a daily basis was beginning to take the joy out of my work. And I thought, I I probably should just go do something else. So there's that. So anyway, emailed uh, Mary about probably four years later. And I said, wow, you know, I met this person. His name is the Holy Spirit. I knew about him, um, but I didn't know that you could actually experience him. See, I had a lot of knowledge about the scriptures but in terms of my own personal experience of god was uh, a bit lacking and uh and told her some of the things god was doing in my life and blah 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 i was so excited to send this email and and she emails back and just a few lines is like rob are you are you joking is this some cruel form of you know you're making fun of kind of the, my own spiritual journey i'm like what where is she getting that from and so I said, no, I'm not joking. It's really true. I've come to experience God in a new way. And uh, so anyway, I met her, met up with her at a conference uh, that same year, and, and she said, you know, when I saw you at Ambrose, I just kind of just discerned. She didn't tell me, which was nice of her, maybe, I don't know. Um, but she kind of discerned in her own spirit that, wow, this this guy has, like, got major fear issues. And, and the thing is, when, you know... <laughs> you get good at covering stuff up that you struggle with. You know, we, our human nature is quite, quite amazing, how we can uh, cover up things that are really debilitating, the struggles that we have, and, and uh, I don't think there's a way that she could have known that, uh, other than through the Holy Spirit's presence. And, uh, and yeah, she nailed it on the head, to the point that um, I wanted to, uh, to cease teaching so set free for me has been uh, a way of learning um, strategies or pathways that that the presence of jesus can interact with me on a very deeper level to set me free from for instance the fear of failure and just this idea of fear i could go on to there's a whole story about how this unfolded but i have to tell you this My journey through this fear business didn't unfold on a a Saturday night or a conference. It was actually over the course of three or four years, God bringing different people into my life. But me saying, I don't like how this makes me feel. I don't like the effect that it's having on the things around me. So I'm going to go and do something about it. And so it was really just availing myself of opportunities to... Invite Jesus into my life so that I can see what he wants to do. And, and, and it's really been nothing short of miraculous. And, and my wife will tell you that I, I, I'm not the same person on, when it comes to that at least, there's other stuff, when it comes to that at least, um, in terms of being set free. and And the more that I've been journeying with the Holy Spirit, the knowledge that I once had that I have of Scripture, I see it in a new light. It's kind of like, you know, the, the, this, this kind of Paul talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 3, that the veil that sits over uh, one's eyes has been lifted so that I begin to see Jesus in the way that he wants to interact with us uh, in a very different way, on a deeply personal way. And it makes sense that, that Jesus is about that because The word salvation, which we associate Jesus with, in fact, his name in Hebrew, Yeshua, Yahweh saves, the Lord saves, salvation, to be saved, really means to be delivered. It means to be set free. So the language set free isn't just some kind of catchy marketing slogan. It actually is the truth that that the presence of Jesus desires to set free. It's, It's what happened to the Egyptians, sorry, the Israelites in Egypt. They were set free from bondage. And so when you think about coming to set free, some of you may not experience anything. And you know what? that's okay. I don't really care about that. The point is, is that you're learning strategies about the ways in which God can make himself available in your life to bring healing. Maybe healing about how you view yourself. Maybe healing um, when it comes to forgiveness. Maybe forgiving yourself. Maybe forgiving others. I I was at a soul care conference a couple of weeks ago, and, and there was one lady there who was uh, horribly mistreated by her uh, father over years and years and years and it took her a few years to actually come to the point where she could begin to forgive him. So so don't think that when we talk about these things we're, we're after a quick and easy fix. It's, it's journeying with Jesus so that he gives us the time that we need so that we can work through this, the, the stuff that we know is before us and seeing that since we've put ourselves in these positions to receive his healing that, that healing will come. But other times it's like just very quick. Jesus like can set someone free through a word or a picture that they'll receive and, and it's like wow, isn't Jesus amazing? So we don't want to kind of Uh, put limits on anything, but I also don't want to kind of serve you a sense of expectation that, wow, come to this conference and you won't need to do it again. No, I've been to several of these now, and I'll tell you, I'm not rambling, this all ties together, Um, uh, we got a new puppy in our home, and uh, this has revealed a side of me that I don't like, because I want to Pray that that puppy develops wings so that when I drop kick the thing into the neighbor's yard, it will actually just fly away. So anyway, so there's more that I have to go through. If I end up on the front page of the Calgary Herald for animal abuse, then you'll know I'm not doing so well. But that's the point. I mean, we're, but we're all on a journey. And life is sometimes hard and sometimes very hard over, you know, way beyond trivial things of having a, a new animal in your house. Uh, but, but serious, deep things. And, and learning to journey with Jesus and learn to see the ways in which he wants to come into our everyday circumstances to speak truth and to speak healing and to reveal his light will serve you well for a lifetime. And and that's kind of the point. It's not just about set free on this weekend, but journeying in a kind of a set free manner through all the circumstances of life so that we can really be whole people. Um, You know, like pastor brian has said you, you know you can no, no matter your age um and especially if you get you know further on you might think you know the, the book of ecclesiastes talks about having a young person's soul but being in an old person's body like that's kind of the goal that we're, we're always kind of in that that frame of openness of malleability of of expectation to what the holy spirit wants to do because we have been experiencing but but we just you have to make an effort. It just doesn't happen. And it's just like growing a garden in Alberta. If, uh, if you just let that thing happen, it ain't going to happen, right? It's, it's, it's tending the fruit and paying attention and, and, and really looking at your own self. So I would encourage you this, this week to take that spiritual inventory. When you look at kind of the course of your life or your course of you know, how you lived your life over the past week, you know, identify those things in your life where you feel stress. Identify those things in your life where you feel angry. I've, I, the puppy dog, I'm getting that. Um, identify those areas of your life where where you may feel a tin, a, 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 small, a bit of kind of a spirit of resentment towards somebody. Pay attention to those things because that's the stuff that Jesus desires to set you free from. But for me, even realizing that, I should pay attention to how certain things make my make my make me feel. Then I can begin to see. Okay, Jesus, how do you want to bring healing into my life in this area, and and set free, provide some strategies and opportunities uh, to do that. So, um, if you've been before, it'll be a little bit different because I'm teaching it, and and Pastor Brian taught it before. So we're two different people. So um, I would encourage you to come and and uh, just come with an open heart and open hands and, and to see what the Lord wants to do so that we can continue, continue to develop in loving ourselves well, uh, loving one another well, and, and loving God well uh, also. Thank you.
0: Wasn't that good? Okay. So, well, I just, I wanted Rob to share, you know, Dave and Don Falk, uh, who are pillars in our church, they, they've shared why they do this sort of thing. And, and I, I thought, you know, people might say, well, you know, why would somebody like, he's got it totally together, right? Why would he need to do anything further? He's already arrived, right? And he's saying, uh-uh. What's that? He has a new puppy, he has a new puppy so he hasn't, the puppy arrived, and so he realizes he hasn't. You know, I just wanted to just say one thing, um, is these things that we do are, you could classify them as programs, but it's what you do with it that matters. When I took the Hearing God classes, I put it into practice. But I was a pastor, so maybe, maybe I had extra motivation because I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, you should do it, and then I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? But you should do it because that's why you need to be mentoring people, by the way, and discipling because it makes you more honest about who you are You know, because you know you have people looking to you. And, and the fact is, all the things that I learned in the Hearing God class, I put into practice, and I've been to more than one of them and, and, and so here's the thing, you know, like when we do these things, a life group, you're going to get out of a small group what you put into it. If you go in there and just kind of go for head knowledge, you know, a dead orthodoxy, then that's all you're going to get out of it. It's, it's, it's put it into practice and say, Holy Spirit, I want you uh, to transform me through all the things that I'm learning This is called Paths to Freedom, this series that we're in. Next week, Pastor Blaine's going to share with you, and he's going to share some of his experiences of this, too. You're going to love this. But I want us just to bow our heads in prayer. And, Lord, we know, uh, as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, right at the very end, um, that you can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within us. I believe that, Lord. And I believe you have more for us than we now realize. And so I pray, Lord, that we would believe that promise that you can do immeasurably more according to your power that is at work within us. And I pray, Father, that you would bring transformation to every man and woman and boy and girl in this church, in this congregation, Lord. Stir up a hunger within us, Lord, I pray. And help us not to be complacent, to be smug, or to, to think, I, I've got it all together. I don't need to change. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would stir within us a deep conviction that there's more that you have for us. You want us to grow out of infancy, out of childhood, out of spiritual adolescence, and into becoming full adults in Christ, to become more like him. I want to ask you a question in prayer as we pray. Is God, is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit more than just a theological concept to you? Or do you know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as persons? God is intensely personal. Are you standing still in your faith? Both Rob and I have talked about taking a spiritual inventory. I'm going to ask you today. And would you just, well, would you make a promise to the Lord right now as you're seated here or standing, say, Lord, I need to do a spiritual inventory and I will do it within the next 24 hours. I will do it. And would you say, Lord, this is where I'm going to do it. And this is when I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do a spiritual inventory where I am going to allow you to go through this house of mine, this temple. That you're going to take the light of your Holy Spirit and you're going to shine light into those dark places in my life and expose them. Because we know, Lord, that nothing is hidden from your sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom he must give an account. And so, Lord, may you do that. I will take this inventory. I'm going to say, Lord, what more do you want to do in me? Lord, have I been too content? Have I stopped growing? And what steps do you want me to take? What is this pathway for me to freedom and to renewal? Will you choose right now to become the person that God destined you to be? Because he is sculpting you. He wants to sculpt you. He's got his hammer and chisel ready. He's ready to sculpt you. Will you let him? We need an encounter with him. We need to experience him. We need to know him in a personal way. Would you say, Holy Spirit, manifest your presence in me, through me, Holy Spirit, come. I want to know you not just as a concept. I want to know you as a person who lives inside of me. Is living through me. Empowering me and enriching my life. Because, Lord, I know that if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And if I'm not moving forward, I'm sliding backward. Lord, I want to grow. And I want to make progress on this journey. Help me, Lord. I will do that inventory. And by your grace, Lord, I will grow into the likeness of your son, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.